Dear Father in heaven, thank you Lord for giving us this opportunity for us to fellowship with you. We ask Lord that this moment you shall grant to us the gift of your Holy Spirit because without him we cannot understand spiritual things. As we go through your word, please help us to rightly divide the word of truth, to bring things old and new that shall empower us, energize us, edify us, that we may walk this narrow way and that we will get to our destination which is our heavenly Canaan. On that note, Lord, I pray that you put your words in my mouth as the one who will speak that the words spoken shall bless all your children who are listening. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage May 27 The Real King Cursed be the man that eateth any food until evening, that I may be avenged of mine enemies. 1 Samuel chapter 14 verse 24 The command to refrain from food was prompted by selfish ambition, and it showed the king to be indifferent to the needs of his people when these conflicted with his desire for self-exaltation. To confirm his prohibition by a solemn oath showed Saul to be both rash and profane. The very words of the curse given give evidence that Saul's zeal was for himself and not for the honor of God. He declared his object to be not that the Lord may be avenged of his enemies, but that I may be avenged of mine enemies. During the day's battle, Jonathan who had not heard of the king's command, unwittingly offended by eating a little honey as he passed through a wood. Saul learned of this at evening. He had declared that the violation of his edict should be punished with death. And though Jonathan had not been guilty of a willful sin, though God had miraculously preserved his life and had wrought deliverance through him, the king declared that the sentence must be executed. To spare the life of his son would have been an acknowledgement on the part of Saul that he had sinned in making so rash a vow. This would have been humiliating to his pride. God do so, and more also was his terrible sentence, Thou shalt surely die, Jonathan. At Gilgal, but a short time before, Saul had presumed to officiate as priest, contrary to the command of God. When reproved by Samuel, he had stubbornly justified himself. Now, when his own command was disobeyed, though the command was unreasonable and had been violated through ignorance, the king and father sentenced his son to death. The people refused to allow the sentence to be executed. Braving the anger of the king, they declared, Shall Jonathan die? Who had wrought this great salvation in Israel, God forbid. As the Lord liveth, there shall not one hair of his head fall to the ground. For he had wrought with God this day. The proud monarch dared not disregard this unanimous verdict, and the life of Jonathan was preserved. Amen.
The title of our devotion for today is The Real King. And we are looking further into the life of this man, King Saul. Error after error, mistake after mistake, the life of Saul was one to really study and learn lessons from. How far will a man who is bent on self-exaltation and self-praise, who is filled with such pride and self-confidence, how far would he not go? Here, after Jonathan had wrought such a great deliverance in Israel, and it was apparent that Israel did not need King Saul, they, they made him king for this purpose of conquering the Philistines. And while he was there with the 600 men, the Philistines were conquered by Jonathan and his armor bearer and those who were in hiding, those who were hiding in the mountains. And the Lord had brought an earthquake to destroy the Philistines. And where was Saul all this while? He was under a tree, a pomegranate tree, with his 600 men. It was a very huge rebuke to him. He was made king for this one purpose of conquering the Philistines. And the day the, the Philistines were conquered, where was he? He didn't even know what was happening. Only for him to hear that the Philistines were being conquered. When he got there, he saw that the Philistines were killing themselves and the Israelites were already there with Jonathan and his armor bearer already doing the battle. He just joined so that it will not look like he was not part of the glory. How must Saul be feeling now? He's still bent on bringing some glory to himself. And what happened? He made a very rash vow. And you know, we have studied about vow before. The Lord had said that if you make a vow, you must fulfill that vow. That's what the Lord said. You must fulfill the vow. And Saul made a vow. One that the people will not allow him to fulfill. Let's read about it in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 24. And the men of Israel were distressed that day. That's just after they had conquered the Philistines. For Saul had adjured the people, saying, Cursed be the man that eateth any food until evening, that I may be avenged of mine enemies. So none of the people tasted any food. They still respected him. And all they of the land came to a wood, and there was honey upon the ground. And when the people were come into the wood, behold, the honey dropped. But no man put his hand to his mouth, for the people feared the oath. But Jonathan heard not when his father charged the people with the oath. Wherefore, he put forth the end of the rod that was in his hand, and dipped it in an honeycomb, and put his hand to his mouth, and his eyes were enlightened. Then answered one of the people and said, Thy father straightly charged the people with an oath, saying, Cursed be the man that eateth any food this day. And the people were faint. Then said Jonathan, My father has troubled the land. See, I pray you, how mine eyes have been enlightened because I tasted a little of this honey. How much more if haply the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of their enemies which they found. For had there not been now a much greater slaughter among the Philistines? And they smote the Philistines that day from Michmash to Ajalon, and the people were very faint. And it happened that when the evening time came, the day was over, the people now flew upon the spoil, and since it was time for the fast to be broken, they ate. But how did they eat? They ate with the blood, and they sinned against God. And then 
it was told to Saul that the people are sinning against the Lord and he came and said oh why are you sinning against God that's first Samuel 14 verse 33 it says then they told Saul saying behold the people sin against the Lord in that they eat with the blood and he said you have transgressed roll a stone unto me this day and then the people they stopped eating with the blood and they had to remove the blood before they ate what lesson do we learn from here now Saul did not know that his son Jonathan had eaten uh, some honey now it was time for them to go and finish the battle or finish it off but they had already gone very far and destroyed the Philistines Saul now wanted to go and as usual try to appear religious to the people first Samuel 14 reading from verse 35 it says and Saul built an altar unto the Lord the same was the first altar that he built unto the Lord remember this altar that he built no one asked him to do that it was the altar that he sacrificed that offering that Samuel was supposed to sacrifice so Saul said let us go down after the Philistines by night I just want to pause and just think for a while here is Saul he's not even feeling any remorse that Samuel came reproved him and left him that ought to have kept him thinking about himself but here he is in that same altar still going there wanting to sacrifice again going now in verse 36 he says and Saul said let us go down after the Philistines by night and spoil them until the morning light and let us not leave a man of them and they said do whatsoever seemeth good unto thee then said the priest let us draw near hither unto God and Saul asked counsel of God shall I go down after the Philistines will thou deliver them into the hand of Israel but he answered him not that day and Saul said draw ye near hither all the chief of the people and know and see wherein this sin hath been this day for as the Lord liveth so here he's taking a vow for as the Lord liveth which saveth Israel though it be Jonathan my son he shall surely die but there was not a man among all the people that answered him Saul is losing respect among his people then said he unto all Israel be you on one side and I and Jonathan shall be on the other side and the people said unto Saul do what seemeth good unto thee therefore Saul said unto the Lord God of Israel give a perfect lot and Saul and Jonathan were taken but the people escaped and Saul said cast lots between me and my and Jonathan my son and Jonathan was taken then Saul said to Jonathan tell me what thou hast done and Jonathan told him and said I did but taste a little honey with the end of the rod that was in my hand and lo I must die and Saul answered God do so and more also for thou shalt surely die Jonathan and the people said unto Saul shall Jonathan die who had wrought this great salvation in Israel God forbid as the Lord liveth there shall not one hair of his head fall to the ground for he had wrought with God this day so the people rescued Jonathan that he died not then Saul went up from following the Philistines and the Philistines went to their own place such a humiliation for King Saul he was supposed to be the one he wanted it to be that when he says something everybody must obey if you disobey me you will die you must ensure that the monarchy is preserved and the authority of the monarchy is kept intact and not dishonored that was what Saul was trying to promote here I remember the case of Jephthah who made a vow that the first thing that came come out of his house well, he would give it to the Lord now the person that comes out of his house will give it to the Lord as a sacrifice. When his daughter came out, he wept. He didn't want to act as if it was something that was mean, that meant nothing to him. But here was King Saul, his own son Jonathan, who he knew that the Lord used him to wrought a deliverance in Israel. His own son Jonathan, he wanted to give him 
as a sacrifice unto the Lord because of his rash vow. And the Lord put him in this street. Why? Because he was very rash. How did he know that something was wrong? The priests told him. It was not he who acted religious actually, but the priest was the one who told him because he wanted to go and fight the Philistines and make sure he destroys all of them. But the priest kept him in check and said, wait, let us pray first and see whether the Lord will allow us to go. This was what now held Saul back. Why didn't he go and fight all this while before he wanted to do his sacrifice? Now he wants to go and fight without the sacrifice, contradicting his previous um, action where he made a sacrifice acting as though he wanted to pray to the Lord before going for a battle. Now he wants to go for another battle. He's not making any sacrifice. He's not inquiring of the Lord. He's not seeking his blessings. But the priest called him back and said, let us pray first and ask the Lord whether he wants us to go. But on asking, the Lord kept him in silence, did not tell him anything. And then he started to think, oh, maybe the Lord is not answering me because somebody broke the vow. I said nobody is supposed to eat. Maybe somebody has eaten. Well, on checking, he found out that his son, Jonathan, was the one that ate. And he vowed that Jonathan must die. But what is very interesting about this is that the people vowed on Saul's vow that not one hair of Jonathan's head will fall down. So two vows now. Let's see. And one vow is contradicting the other. The other people have vowed that they will do all they can to ensure Jonathan does not die. And Saul has vowed that Jonathan must die. So, here is a vow against his vow. Imagine before the people such a humiliation for this man who wanted to be respected by the people from the beginning. The, all he has been doing since was to show the people that he is the king, that he is able, that he is confident in himself and that he can conquer. But where is it now? Now he's brought down to the lowest bottom. The people themselves are now saying to him, King, you cannot do that. This is the greatest insult that Saul could ever feel. But he couldn't do anything about it because not he couldn't by himself fight the people. The people have said, if you do anything, we will stop you. There's no worse humiliation that Saul could have felt here. The one that God did not answer him was already, hum- was already humbling enough. The fact that it was Jonathan who delivered them was also humbling. But to go as far as he saying something that he would do, and the people told him he will not do it, that was just the height. He was not really the king. So who was really the king? It was the person that the people stood behind. Jonathan is the real king. And what makes Jonathan the real king? It is because of his trust that he put in God. The man who depends wholly on God is the one who seeks the glory of the kingdom because that is what a king does. A king seeks the glory and safety of the kingdom more than the glory of himself. Saul was seeking for his own glory. Jonathan was seeking for the safety and glory of Israel. Jonathan was not seeking to bring any praise or honor to himself, whereas his father Saul, that was what was paramount in his mind. His words makes that very clear. He said to the people that no one is to eat anything so that he will avenge himself of his enemies, not God's enemies, his enemies. So the battle was Saul's battle. It was not God's battle. So the people were fighting for him. Come and avenge me of my enemies, people. Come and let us come, let us go and fight. You can imagine the mindset that Saul had. There was someone who said that this man was very, very narcissistic, all thinking, always thinking about himself and not about the people. It was all about him. And should anybody get anything that is worthy of praise, Saul is not interested. He's only interested in his own glory. 
and that is why he is not the real king. The real king is the one who will put his life on the line for the people. He is the one who has power with God like Jonathan had. So what really went on at this time? Reading from Patriarchs on Prophet page 625 paragraph 1 he says, Saul could not claim the honor of the victory but he hoped to be honored for his zeal in maintaining the sacredness of his oath even at the sacrifice of his son. He would impress upon his subjects the fact that the royal authority must be maintained at Gilgal, but a short time before Saul had presumed to officiate as priest contrary to the command of God. When reproved by Samuel, he had stubbornly justified himself. Now, when his own command was disobeyed, though the command was unreasonable and had been violated through ignorance, the king and father sentenced his son to death. The people refused to allow the sentence to be executed. Braving the anger of the king, they declared, Shall Jonathan die? who had wrought this great salvation in Israel, God forbid, as the Lord liveth, now here they are swearing, there shall not one hair of his head fall to the ground, for he has wrought with God this day. The proud monarch dared not disregard this unanimous verdict, and the life of Jonathan was preserved. Saul went to his home ashamed. Now the battle he wanted to go and fight against the Philistines, he did not go again. Over and over, the Lord was foiling all of Saul's efforts. First time he made the sacrifice, he could not go to fight. Second time, while he was waiting under the pomegranate tree, God now, without him, went to do the victory without without Saul, using Jonathan. Third time now, he wants to go and fight the Philistines. The Lord does not even answer him and tells him to go. And the people turned against him and he had to go to his home, humiliated. This day was such a bad day for King Saul. And that is what it will be for anyone who is working in their own interest and not for the interest of God's cause. That is a lesson we should learn. We should learn something from this story that the true secret of all spiritual success lies in our seeking to be instruments in God's hands and in our lending ourselves to Him to do in us and by us whatever is good in His sight. It was not Jonathan's project that was to be carried out. It was the Lord's cause that was to be advanced. But in Saul's mind, it was Saul's cause that was to be advanced. Jonathan had no personal ends in this matter. He was willing to give up his life if the Lord should require it. It is a like consecration, a similar consecration that we are to have in all our spiritual service that brings blessings and success to us. He that loveth his life shall lose it. And he that hateth his life, that's he that loses his life for my sake in this world shall keep it that's what the lord said unlike his father jonathan knew that god can win by a minority he said to his companion there is no restraint to the lord to save by many or by few he remembered that god had promised one shall chase a thousand and two put ten thousand to flight if in fighting the lord's battles we wait till we outnumber the foe and our enemies we shall never do exploits. Joshua and Caleb were outnumbered by the other ten spies and also the Israelites were outnumbered. Gideon and his army were outnumbered but they said let us go up at once and possess the land. Gideon went with his army and fought against his enemies. The twelve apostles of Jesus Christ they did not wait but they went even against the law of the Sanhedrin. They were outnumbered but they did what they were supposed to do. One with God is majority and it was Jonathan who 
learned this lesson knowing very well that it's not about numbers his father thought it was about that but he understood that if the lord is with us we will get the victory the promise has already been given to us and this is why we should learn that lesson consecration is the most important thing it's not about our our external efforts and our skill and intelligence no if we are not consecrated we cannot get the victory and that's a lesson we should take with us from today's devotion also we should also learn that we shouldn't be like king saul who is seeking for his self-glorification if not the lord will embarrass us to the end and to the last point so that we would be humbled as saul was humbled this day and you can imagine how the children of israel have must have felt after this time they must have thought about their decision to make for themselves a king was it necessary it was not necessary at all they have started to realize their error god didn't need that king and for us let us always remember to follow the ways of the lord because the beginning of this problem was the children of israel themselves who requested for themselves a king Saul's life would have been better were he not to be the king. He would have just been wherever he was, chasing after his father's asses. But because the people requested a king, here it is that Saul was brought to the front to do a work that it was not good for him to do, a position that was not fitted for him. Because that kind of position, the leadership position, is not about physical strength, it's not about mental intelligence, it is about your connection and dependence upon God. Let us take that lesson home with us. Let us pray. Thank you, dear Father, for the lessons that you have taught us today. We pray, Lord, that once again, you would etch in our minds and impress on our hearts the necessity of self-abasement and self-denial and self-distrust and rather confidence in God and dependence upon God. Please help us to learn these lessons that we may not make the same mistakes that Saul made. Do this for us and take the glory. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen.